From Brennan to the Bocachil, from Lamy to La Push, and from the lordly Salda to lovely Duckabush, from Samish to Sammamish, Suquamish to Quillacine. The climate is so friendly, it's a land that's evergreen. Hello, and welcome to the History of the Evergreen State podcast. I'm your host, John C., and thank you for joining me today for episode 92, A Century of the Ellensburg Rodeo. This episode originally aired first over on the YouTube channel, so check it out if you would like to see it accompanied with some period photographs. This year, 2023, marks the 100th anniversary of an evergreen state institution, the Ellensburg Rodeo. Second in size only to the Calgary Stampede in terms of attendance in the Pacific Northwest, the Ellensburg Rodeo is steeped in a ton of history and tradition. The Ellensburg Rodeo's contemporary history began with a local Grand Army of the Republic Veterans Reunion in 1885. Over time, this gathering transformed into an annual street festival including rodeo competitions. The state of Washington contributed $10,000 in 1923, finally allowing organizers to host the first recognized rodeo in the Evergreen State. Many of the early participants in the rodeo had taken part in twice-weekly Sunday rodeos west of Ellensburg close to the town of Thorpe. These haphazardly planned events drew up to 300 spectators. Local residents sponsored the event due to their enthusiasm as well as the possibility of financial gain and a wish to preserve the already dwindling romantic idea of the Old West. The men and women who started the Ellensburg Rodeo a century ago were ranchers, farmers, Native Americans, and civic-minded locals who collaborated in a massive endeavor. In addition to the aforementioned theme of wanting to honor a way of life that was becoming extinct on the frontier, they also wanted to advance their local area and boost commerce. Their efforts gave rise to the Evergreen State's most renowned rodeo. The sport of rodeo is relatively new. It is based on competitions from cowboy shows, Indian powwows, Mexican fiestas, and cattle drives. In the last quarter of the 19th century, rodeos first appeared just as the cattle kingdom was at its height and the West was becoming a more settled territory. In connection with the yearly roundups in cattle country, some of the first rodeos were unplanned amateur events. Cowboys frequently took use of the opportunity to display their riding, roping, and bulldogging prowess after gathering their herds for branding and sorting. Top hands naturally started to compete while their fellow cowboys watched. However, these straightforward ranch rodeos started to change as non-cowboy fans started to show up, which eventually led to them moving into towns and entering the contemporary rodeo era. The West's burgeoning townspeople had a voracious thirst for nostalgic recreations of the Wild West and dime novels and rodeos. Westerners flocked in their tens of thousands to enjoy the new sport of rodeo in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Ellensburg is located in the center of a very prosperous cattle country in the central Evergreen State. The early Kittitas Valley's lush meadows and semi-arid plains were grazed by thousands of cattle and horses. The Kittitas Cowboys were accustomed to the roundup competitions that were typical of cattle country. Early in the 1920s, Kittitas Valley Cowboys advanced the technique from the realm of the purely amateur. In the valley itself, a number of ranches were holding competitions, or Sunday rodeos, as most of the people called them. A longtime inhabitant of the region named Clovis recalled attending one of these Sunday rodeos at the Upper River Bridge, which is now the Thorpe Bridge west of Ellensburg. 
A Kittitas Valley cowhand and rodeo participant named Ben Ferguson told how his family supported a significant Sunday rodeo. My brother and a few pals put on a rodeo with all those horses that we had. He was only looking to have fun, my brother. Just brought a few of the neighborhood kids up here who went out and rounded up the cattle and horses. They assembled the corral, the arena, and the chutes with a wagon load of poles. The Fergusons held rodeos every other Sunday in the early 1920s. Attendance of 100 to 300 spectators was not all that unusual to see. All of this activity's economic potential was not ignored. Ferguson recalled that other locals noticed that he was having a big time and started debating the idea of holding an annual rodeo within the boundaries of Ellensburg, with the Kittitas County Fair having begun to already sponsor rodeo exhibition events. The Ferguson brothers were reportedly approached sometime around 1922 and asked to help with the first ever Ellensburg rodeo. They, the townsfolk, came out and got us to go in there to Ellensburg and furnish the horses. The Ellensburg Rodeo was founded by local ranchers and cowboys working together with the fair board, Native Americans, and city business people. Local professionals and businessmen jumped on the rodeo bandwagon without delay. A rodeo would bring tourists to Ellensburg, earning tourist cash and enhancing the town's reputation and business opportunities. The Kittitas County Fair Board, which was composed of farmers and town residents alike, suggested including a rodeo in the fairgrounds of the early fall event. They reasoned that a yearly rodeo would raise the fair standards and draw more people. Speculation that would continue to ring true over the passing century, I might add. The crucial fourth member of the rodeo coalition was made up of local Native Americans. For hundreds of years, the Kittitas Band of the Yakima Nation made an annual fall trip to what the Columbia Plateau tribes termed their Kittitas Meeting Grounds. The So Happy and Nason families, as well as other Kittitas and Yakima Indians, were particularly supportive of an occasion that would carry on this meeting ground custom. They saw an autumn rodeo as a chance to carry on their horse racing and dancing customs in the modern era, at the same time hoping to bring some much-needed money back to the tribe. The rodeo promoters were faced with a significant challenge right away. They needed money to purchase land for the grounds, build an arena, and hold the planned three-day event. The Kittitas County Commissioners got the ball rolling on the 1st of April, 1923, no fool's day about that, when they allocated $10,000 for the acquisition of 18 acres close to the fairgrounds in northeast Ellensburg. At the insistence of newspaper editor Clifford Kaner, merchant Clarence Fitterer, and numerous other influential people, Phil Adams, a state representative, had some backing from the state legislature. The remaining funds would be utilized to build the arena and bleachers because the land cost $6,450. Even yet, this did not come close to covering the cost of the massive amount of labor, horse teams, and tools required to build the grounds. The fair board made a daring decision by asking valley people to donate supplies and labor for building the rodeo grounds and setting Thursday, the 14th of June, as the day of a field day to construct the new arena and rodeo grounds. The pioneers' individuality and independent spirit are just as much a part of Western heritage as community service initiatives like the Ellensburg Rodeo Field Day. Western Americans were known for their willingness to help others and for their strong sense of community, as evidenced by events like cow roundups, quilting bees, and barn raisings. The Field Day at Ellensburg was actually a string of Labor Days that took place in June of 1923. On the 14th, nevertheless, when more than 500 Valley residents showed up to work on the grounds, the effort had reached its peak. The Ellensburg Evening Record acted as the field day's spokesperson. The formal schedule was announced in the record on Monday the 11th of June. 
Every man urged to report to a straw boss at 7.30 Thursday morning. Men not assigned should bring picks and shovels because all superintendents and foremen have completed the job and are aware of the work that has to be done. The record talked about the feed local ladies were planning for Thursday lunchtime in a piece published on Tuesday titled Women of the Valley in Town Respond. Coffee, weenies on buns, ice cream, and other food items were provided by neighborhood businesses which women volunteers prepared and served on the grounds construction site. One movie maker intended to shoot a nice slow-action comedy of some banker or lawyer in the pick-and-shovel brigade, according to another item published on Tuesday that speculated that movie men may come to field day. That Thursday, over 500 men and more than 200 horses gathered and got right to work. Wilson Creek was diverted around the location and they graded a road, racetrack, and the grounds. They completed the construction of corrals, fences, three bridges, and a grandstand. They also excavated ditches, installed new water mains, and clipped trees. Their achievements were impressive and the headlines in the record yelled, Community effort is successful! Farmers and businessmen cooperated in this on an equal basis. The record opined that it was very inspiring to see people working for a common cause. Cooperative work has astonishing results, read more of the record's headlines after several hundred men stayed late to work on Friday. The rodeo arena was prepared for action and was nearing completion. The balance of the summer was devoted to organizing the first Ellensburg Rodeo by members of the Kittitas County Fair and Rodeo Board as well as locals, farmers, ranchers, and natives. For a three-day event that was scheduled to take place from September 13th to the 15th, Dr. H.F. Fenning served as superintendent. The Yakima Indian Nation as a whole was first invited to the rodeo by Fenning and his group. They billed the rodeo as the biggest, wildest roundup in the state and organized 18 significant events. Residents of Kittitas Valley awaited the next rodeo's outcome with bated breath beginning in early September. That first rodeo, according to Howard Thomas, who organized it and participated in for more than a decade, was a good one. You knew pretty much everyone that was riding in it, said Mrs. Lillian Pope. It really made a difference because it was more of a local show. The competitors were dubbed Ordinary Cowboys by Chalmer Cobain. They weren't like the cowboys from the drugstore or the guys who only watched rodeos. They participated in chariot races, stagecoach races, and wild horse races as true cowboys would do. In addition to the activities Cobain mentioned, there were grand entrance parades, races for native competitors, bulldogging, relay races, bucking broncs, and bulls. Riders are skillful and horses and steers are wild, according to the record. More significantly, the record reported that hundreds are an overflow crowd, grandstand filled, and that well over 500 spectators had been turned away. The majority of attendees apparently yelled and applauded and really enjoyed Ellensburg's first true rodeo, despite a few issues brought on by the massive crowd. At the end of the show on Saturday, local cowboy Frank Woods was crowned a champion buckaroo of the roundup. The fair and rodeo boards, Dr. Fenning, and the hard labor of the personnel responsible for its achievement were all praised by the record. The cowboys packed up their equipment, the natives rode back to the Yakima Reservation, the herds were driven home on Sunday, and the local business people tallied up their considerable proceeds. Everyone eagerly anticipated the following year's rodeo. In hindsight, it's intriguing to consider the founders of the Ellensburg Rodeo's intentions. It is accurate to state that the people of Ellensburg held a rodeo to honor their pioneering past. In the various competitions, cowboy competitors used real ranch roundup techniques, and Yakima and Kittitas competitors provided a crucial link to the history of the frontier with their horse racing and traditional dances. 
However, compared to a ranch rodeo or even a Sunday rodeo, the Ellensburg Rodeo was far more organized and professional, so nostalgia may also be the reason someone wants to visit the rodeo. This was a sense of longing that modern townsfolk and valley inhabitants had for a pioneer lifestyle that was fast disappearing in their world of cars, flights, movies, and radio broadcasts. Thus, nostalgia, contemporary Chamber of Commerce booster zeal, and traditional frontier traditions came together to curate Ellensburg's first rodeo. Aside from encouraging business and showcasing their community throughout the Northwest, the event brought together local ranchers and farmers along with natives and townspeople, business people, and professionals. The Kittitas Valley's residents drew heavily on their history as pioneers in order to build their rodeo. On the day the Ellensburg Rodeo was founded, the first bucking bronc might not have burst out of the chutes into Ellensburg's magnificent new rodeo arena without the help of volunteer community members. The Ellensburg Rodeo draws in nearly 500 competitors a year who compete for a total of almost $250,000 in prizes. Due to the hard times of the Second World War, the rodeo went on hiatus from 1942 through 1944 and also missed 2020 due to the global pandemic. Many in the Evergreen State have Labor Day weekends circled on their calendars, and this year looks to be a big one in particular. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a 5-star review and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. Doing so really helps the show to grow and to expand to a new audience, so any help that you can give in that regard will be greatly appreciated. Sources for this episode include the Spokane Daily Chronicle, HistoryLink.org, Washington Rural Heritage, the Ellensburg Rodeo Hall of Fame, the Kittitas County Fair website, the Washington State University Archives, and the Smithsonian Magazine. Thank you for listening to Episode 92, A Century of the Ellensburg Rodeo. Episode 93 will be released next week. A special thanks goes out to Al Hirsch for providing the music for the podcast. If you have any questions about the show, please contact historyoftheevergreenstatepod at gmail.com. Thank you for watching this video by the History of the Evergreen State Podcast, and until next time, I'm your host, John C. There's peace on the Skokomish, on the Queets and on the Hoe. There's calm on the Nisqually, born of ageless ice and snow. A land that nature loves so much, she stays the whole year round. I trade a royal palace for a shack on Puget Sound. There's Chimicum and Stillicum, where spouts the gooey duck. The singing still a Guamish and the swirling skookum chuck and Moclips and Copalis where the razor clams abound. A little bit of heaven is a shack on Puget Sound. A little bit of heaven is a shack on Puget Sound. <laughs>